Okay, you ready, AP? Ready when you are. Let's lay this baby down. Lofty, you on the guitar, mate. You right, Scope? Yep, standing by. Freddie, you on the bass? Yep, ready to go. All right, here we go then. One, two, three, four. Just two good old boys. Two good old boys. Never meeting no harm. Before we never saw the had no hair since the day they was born. Straighten the curves. Straighten the curves. Flatten the hills. The coffee might get them, but the Lord never will. We're casting away the only way they know how. With a little more mojo than the Lord will allow. And welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. If you are a regular, you know exactly how to get on board the bus. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for downloading the show. Just to bring you up to speed, if you're a newbie, we find interesting people from all walks of life who have their mojo working in or out of work, and we ask them about the good stuff that we can take away and apply to our own world or the world of a friend in need, somebody who needs their mojo working. If you know somebody out there who's out of sorts, just send them a link. It really does help everybody by doing that. It's a being of service to others. If you think it's a cracking show, share it with somebody else to help them get their mojo working because you never know, they may just be doing it tough. All right, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, this week we're heading into the ring and our cut man, the dulcet <laughs> tones of Robert. Do you remember, this reminds me, do you remember mm. back in the day mm. making radio commercials, mm. you actually had to cut the tape and re-glue it? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, splice. Well, it wasn't glue. It was a bit of splicing tape. Yeah, splice and cut and splice. Absolutely. We had... Uh, we had a big conversation about that the other day, a couple of ex-production engineer buddies and I. Yes, indeed. Cut and splice. They were the days. Good times, good times. Hey, got to ask you a quick question after last week's show. Have you um, tried that white night you've got in front of you yet? How good is this brew? I've got oh. to say, I was gonna, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to. A big thanks to Darren Oldclass. Last week we had a listener meetup. We had a conest on air and some listeners wrote in who wanted to come to dinner with Darren and he sprung for dinner at a beautiful steak restaurant in Sydney. We headed to WeWork. We interviewed some of the boys in the room, which will be going to air in the coming weeks. They all questioned Darren about their own brand. And then Darren slipped us a couple of bags of coffee beans. It was from a coffee company called Whitehorse Coffee and the blend was called White Knight 
Mate, how good is it? It's just awesome. And you know what would make it even better if is if chili and coffee went together. You could bit a bit put a bit of hot sauce in there as well because that stuff's awesome too. So Rodney from Chili Bomb turned up and brought us a gift which is just sensational. I got to say this coffee really is from the first mouthful. It's a standout brew. I really, uh, and I'm not just saying that neither of the neither of the guys that gave us freebies on the night are paying us or getting anything from this except a plug. But I've got to say, when we genuinely like something, we just go all out. That White Horse coffee is a really nice coffee. It's awesome, isn't it? Darren was saying there's a few uh, cafes trying to get their hands on it and uh, it's no wonder why. The Mojo Radio Show. So as I said at the head of the show, as we say in the industry, uh, this (laughs) week we are getting in the ring with an Olympic medalist who went undefeated in his professional career. But get this, now he's gone on to create the number one gym in California and the number two gym in the whole of the US. Now, you could imagine how many gyms there are in America. He's number two on the all-time list with his brand called Box and Burn. Our guest is Tony Jeffries, and he was introduced to us by our good mate, Ryan Munsey. i got to say, Ryan's been very, very supportive of our show and was a guest on the show, and he, what, four or five weeks ago, mate? Yeah, a bit over a month ago, I think, yeah. And Ryan let's just say, is a, is a legend. And he introduces to Tony. Tony is a top guy. And I wrote to Tony and said, look, would you be interested in coming on the show? He said, yeah, boys, let's do it. So Tony Jeffries, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Yeah, thank you for having me on, boys. I really appreciate it. I know he's doing good things out there in Australia, so I'm very happy to be on the show. And you are coming down under, which we'll get to in a second. Is that right? You're coming down to do some work down here with the uh, – Box and Burn Academy? Yeah, we're doing our education course in Sydney, uh, July 7th and 8th. I can't wait to come back to Australia. It's been it's been a long time. The last time I was there, it was in 2006 in the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I competed in Melbourne and I, I love the place. When people walk up to you now and say, hey, Tony, what do you do? How do you like to reply? Uh, I, I like to tell people I'm a uh, fitness gym owner. I own... I own two uh, fitness facilities in Los Angeles and California, so I tell them that. And obviously, I'm a former boxer as well, so people are very interested in knowing about my boxing career. And you, if we start on the boxing career, you talk about the fighter's mindset, and it's really interesting, Tony. At the moment, mindset, resilience, grit, mental toughness is a real hot topic for people. Uh, people seem to be struggling with it. Talk me through what your view of the fighter's mindset is. Yeah, I mean, the fighter's mindset is everything. You hear that fights are won before the fight, and uh, and, and and I agree with that. You know, you've, your mindset's everything. You've always got to be confident and 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 very uh, confident in your ability. But not only that, your mindset when you're leading up to a fight, you've got to be well. For, for me personally, it was always. I was always worried about my opponent working harder than us. So because of because of that, I had in my head that I'm going to have to run an extra mile a day because my opponent might be doing this, you know? So, I mean, mindset's everything. And then get, getting in the ring, walking to the ring, your mindset's a, a massive, massive part in, in, in the, the full thing, really. But not only just in, in boxing as well, in business, I've been... Uh, successful in business now for the last seven years since I retired from boxing, but mindset and business as well, it's a big thing. It's 15 minutes to go. You're in the rooms. It's quiet. You're having your hands wrapped and it's you and your coach. And this is something you've worked towards. You've done the extra miles on the road, the bag work, the sparring. 
in 15 minutes time, it's all on and you're getting your hands wrapped. What, what do you want from your coach? Well, with me, it was honesty. You know, you get a lot of coaches, I've had coaches in the past who say, oh, you, you, like they, they, they try too hard to get you built up for it. But now it's like, you know, honesty, you've, you've done this, you've done that. Yeah, you might have been injured, but it's all good. Yeah, uh, you're going to do well. Just just basically what I want to hear is stick to the game plan, stick to what we've worked at, just getting that in your head, you know, over and over again. But it's funny that what you're seeing about the 15 minutes before the fight, what I used to think was, this is the last time I'm doing this, I must be bloody crazy. <laughs> That's what I used to think. And that, that used to pop into me, that used to pop in my mind for like, a few split seconds like wow, this is the last time I'm doing this I'm, I'm, oh, I'm crazy and then you know obviously that pops out your mind and like get focused again uh, but yeah I mean for the that 15 minutes before you're walking out to the ring is a massive massive deal because it's all the crowd's gone the, the, your entourage or your, your, your friends and your family's gone and it's just you and your coach and that that moment there is like um, it's a very special moment and that, that gives you a bond. So I've got a bond with all my coaches for the rest of my life now because of them moments before. You've got to really, really trust your trainer, your coach. And uh, like I say, yeah, it sticks with you forever. You've got, to trust, you've got to trust them because it's just you and them. And I really feel like that's the most vulnerable time of your life just before a, before a fight because you, like I say, your, your mindset's got to be right for that. Why? Why? Vulnerability. Because if someone come in and, and said, uh, like, like, uh, or your, or, or, or if someone reminds you, like, see, you were injured, or your hands bad, your hands bad, or I hope, it do, I hope it doesn't go wrong during the fight, or, or you were sick during camp, I hope that doesn't catch up. Like, just things like that that can get in your, that can get in your mind. Or if your coach is not seeing the right things and 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 being there for you, like mentally the way you want them to be, you know, I think. That's why you're so vulnerable, you know. Because I think in that moment you you want to you want to be told the truth about obviously the truth about your your camp, but all the positive stuff. You don't want to hear any negativity towards yourself. Uh, then 15 minutes. It's a very interesting interesting time. Then 15 minutes before a fight. We talk about injuries, Tony. You went into the Olympics with a rib injury. So in that 15 minutes before you went in to compete for an Olympic medal, you you knew because you've had this for a long time. You've had this rib injury which has hindered your training. You've carried it with you. Yeah, like a true warrior, you've you've gotten through it. How how did you get past that? What was the dialogue, if anything, in your mind? And what was the dialogue from your coach? Because you want honesty. Well, the truth is you're injured. So, again... <clears throat> The honor, like the, what the coach can see there. So I had a crack in my rib and I was getting anesthetic injected into it uh, two hours before my fight so I couldn't feel it because when you've got a crack in your rib, when you try and take a deep breath, it hurts. So I got anesthetic injected into my rib and then the coach, it's all about positivity. Now he's telling me the rib's not going to be a problem in this fight. You've, you've had your injection, your training camps went really well despite your rib injury. Uh, you know, you, you're going to be do great. You're going to beat this guy, stick to the game plan. And then really getting your mind off the injury, you know, rather than f- like f- let's not focus on, on that. Let's focus on the positive stuff about how hard you're punching, how fast you've been, how good you've been doing in sparring or your past competitions, winning all these other titles, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so, yeah, the, I mean, the coach with that stuff is, uh, 
it is great. And that's why, that's again, that's why it's vulnerable because if a fo- coach come in and said, how's your rib feeling? Uh, your, your training hasn't been going well because of this. If, if, if someone come in and starts saying that to you before a fight, you know, it's going to mess your head a little bit. But the right coach knows what to say. It's funny though, because... We relate. We hear these stories of great sportsmen like yourself, but we can relate that back to anybody because if you talk to somebody about their dreams in life or the things they aspire to do in their own life, quite often people focus on the things they don't want to happen or what might go wrong. And hearing you talk about yeah. that, whether it be you coaching yourself in your own mind or having a coach with you, what that person you're really needing is for them to focus on the things that have gone right and we had Michael Gervais from the Seattle Seahawks on the show and he talked about the psychology of rewinding personal history, that this is when it did go well, this is when you have performed before Yes. to almost give you evidence. So it's kind of I'm hoping people are hearing this and going, well, I can apply that to my own world. I may not be fighting in the Olympics, but I can apply it to my own world of having a home or having a relationship or running a Spartan race because – these pieces we hear, I just think it's so profound that 15 minutes before it where it's absolutely mag- it's magnified, isn't it? Oh, yeah, big time. And, yeah, you're totally right. You can apply this in every walk of life. Like now I, now I own these – I've got like 50 employees, and if I ask someone to, to do something, I don't want my team to tell me like, oh, we can't do it. I want them to find a way how we can do it. You know, because there's a, and as, as well, like if I'm t- starting a new business or starting a new venture, I don't really want to know the reasons why it won't work. I want to know the reasons why it will work. If we've got a little hiccup or we've got a, a challenge, I don't want to think about, oh, well, we shouldn't do it because of this. I want to think about how we can get around that. Do you know what I mean? Do you feel pressure, Tony? Like at, at that time when you are competing and it's all on the line, in the Olympics, and we'll talk more about that shortly. And then in business, where you are building and you've got moments of investors and staff, and yeah, are you one that? How, how do you do? You feel pressure, or how do you handle it? I feel I felt pressure in boxing, uh, with with fighting in front of millions of people, and I had my home city behind me. But in business, I don't feel any pressure. Like now we've had the businesses, me and my, my business partner, Kevin Watson, for seven years, six years now. And we've grew two seven-figure businesses, uh, gyms, and then an education program. But to me, it's been really, really easy to get there, you know, because life before uh, before this business is in boxing, that was hard. You know, I had that many hard challenges and that many hard mountains to climb. Life now is really easy. Business is easy for me. T- teaching boxing is easy. So, yeah, I mean, I don't feel pressure now, but before them fights, mate, bloody hell. So I was on an eight-year training program. I was training from um, 2000. I got put on a world-class training program for Great Britain because I was the champion when I was 15. And I went through eight years uh, to qualify for the Olympics and to qualify, went to the Olympics. So I dedicated my full life to boxing in the Olympics. And then when I come to fighting in the Olympics, the pressure was unbelievable, mate. <laughs> was like, I mean, it was amazing just to get there. And if I never won a medal, you know, you know I'd, I'd still achieved a lot by getting to the Olympics. But uh, but yeah, I mean, fighting in the Olympics was, was massive pressure. And then fighting for the medal, like the, the day before the fight for a medal, I knew I had everything on the line. The full eight years that I'd worked towards them 
was was all on on the line right now to get that medal in the Olympics, and you know, I I, I managed to I managed to get it. And then again, like after I got the medal, the bronze, the pressure was off. I felt like the pressure was off. I was fighting for the silver, and I and I, and I lost that fight. And yeah, I was I was devastated at the time. But now, you know, I'm I'm just so. So happy that I got that I medaled in the Olympics. What's interesting with you, Tony, is you go back through your past, and I've heard you talk about this. You said at the age of fourteen you represented England, then you yeah. captained England at sixteen, and then you said you didn't actually like boxing much, but then yeah. you grew you grew to love boxing. What what changed for you? Like, where was the change in that where you are representing your country as a captain? And then all of a sudden you fell in love with the sport. What was the turning point? What was the change? Well, I, I kind of stopped liking boxing because just like any, I mean, in England, any 15, 16-year-old, all your friends are out. They're starting to drink, getting into girls. And and that was the hardest time to stay straight and on the reel. So it was like, why would I want to go to a gym and work out when I would be out with my friends having fun and having a laugh, you know? And, and I was like the... I, I, I was like the odd one out. So I, luckily I had a, my dad who forced me to go to boxing uh, kept me on the straight and narrow. And then when I, when I got over that little hump of the 16-year-old, 17-year-old, and then I realized that I was doing well, then 18, I got put on this world-class... Uh, uh, then 18, I was again captain in England and, and fighting around the world. And then I had the Commonwealth Games in my mind. Like, wow, I won the, the senior championships when I was 21, it was actually my 21st birthday, I flew to Melbourne for the Commonwealth Games. So I had this this goal in my mind to go to the Commonwealth Games. Uh, and, I, and I'd done that and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I got so much publicity, so much press, kind of changed my life a little bit. And then uh, and then it was like all uh, all systems go for the Olympic Games after that. What's, what's curious is you've talked about how big that moment was for you to win a medal, and I'm going to come back to that. And then once that was done and you gave up boxing and your games career was over, how hard was it for you then to leave the ring and start to do something else when your identity for full on for eight years was all about that moment in the ring? Yeah. How did you go about changing your identity? Well, the hardest thing was was retiring. I've reti- I started boxing when I was ten, and I retired when I was uh, was I was twenty seven. So I competed for seventeen years. I had one hundred and six fights. I, I won European gold medal. I won all sorts, and then it got forced upon me where I had hand injuries. I couldn't continue anymore. It was like wow, I had no plan B because I de- dedicated my life to it that much that I never stuck in at school. I finished school early with any, without any qualifications. Uh, I, I had no plan B. And then I got depressed. I got fat. I started drinking because I couldn't fight anymore. Then I, I moved to America for like full time. And I start looking for things to do. And the only thing I know is boxing. And then that's why I got into the boxing industry. I got a great wife who helped keep me on the straight and narrow after I went downhill. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And now... Now it's funny that my, like you say, my identity's really changed. Now I'm known as a, as a, a businessman who's teaching boxing for fitness, and uh, yeah, it's worked out really well. And that, and I think that comes down to down to passion, really. You know, I was I was always a passionate boxer, and I'm always passionate in in boxing. Uh, 
So that's why I'm having success now teaching boxing for fitness and then teaching fitness professionals how to teach boxing. I mean, that's that's my biggest passion right now. Like what I'm coming to Sydney for, teaching other people how to teach boxing and seeing them succeed in, in their careers. I get so much satisfaction from that right now. Which leads me on my next thing, Tony, is to ask what what is Tony's purpose? And the reason I ask is because you finish in the ring and then you start to put on weight, lose direction, starting to feel depressed. It's similar to the guys in the military that come back from service and they were in service. They had their routines, their rituals, their standards. They knew the job. They were allocated a mission. They knew what we were there. They knew where meals were being served. Like it was disciplined. And they come back into civilian life and suddenly that's all gone. And they say that to help them integrate they have to find a new purpose. You've gone from the ring in a similar way. What's what's your purpose? To, how do you define your purpose today? Um, I think my purpose today is is passing on, passing on my knowledge of all the years. Like I said, I competed for 17 years. There's nothing that I know better than boxing. Like teaching boxing is easy for me. Teaching boxing for, for fitness is, is, is easy as well. Like uh, So passing my knowledge on to other people is my purpose. Like, like I say, I never stuck in that school. I never got anything from school. My education was boxing and now when I've put that with business I've got a good business brain on, on me as well now I'm helping other people use uh, boxing for business as well like teach them how to box and then using it towards their business and helping their business grow so I mean my, my that's definitely my purpose now is sticking with the boxing for fitness and you know there's nothing that satisfies me more feeling better more than when I, when I hear that someone who we've who we've helped in another fitness business uh, succeed that, that's my my biggest uh, thing that what I love to hear, you know. Do you know there be people listening, Tony? Because I, uh, you're, you're a very humble, humble guy, and I'll ask about that in a second. But there might be people listening, going, "Here's a guy who trained for eight years, got to the Olympics, walked away with a medal at the highest level, and then left the ring and got fat." And what's interesting is, as an Olympic medalist, as an elite athlete, even someone like you can lose it, let yourself go, fall into a dark place. Just take us back to that time because I think it, it, we always hold all this, the people who are doing well at a higher level, but you can fall from that, can't you? Like quite easily you can fall from that and forget all the rules and all the standards you held for yourself. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like you can, like, I mean, we've all heard it before where you can, it takes years to build up but then you can fall off it straight away and, uh, yeah, that was a very dark time in my life because I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. And I'm sure, like you see, the people from the military is is the same. Uh, and I've, like I said, I've got my I've got a wife and, and a good family around me that really helped me on the street and narrow. I don't know what I would have done without them. Uh, but then I found, like I see, I found my purpose, and and now I'm happier than ever. Now it was a blessing in disguise that my hands got injured and I got forced to retire because what I what I'm uh, doing a lot of research on now is the fighter's brain and just how bad fighting is for you. So now, because I retired and I'm 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 very very happy that my hands got injured. I never ever thought back then that I would ever them words would ever come out my mouth. But you know, and now I, I realise like the grass is a lot greener on this side. But that's now that I'm doing that I'm successful in my in my fitness world in my fitness business. You know, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that I have to retire. It's, you said that you met 
people and they talked about your career and your success and you said, I was lucky. And then somebody pulled you up and taught you a lesson about luck. Can you share that conversation? Yeah, I mean, so I was in a in a bar in Santa Monica and uh, there was a little Irish guy was there and he, uh, he looked like a gangster. He had a big long leather jacket on, bald head, looked like a, a little tough guy. And he came up and someone introduced me to him and said that, oh, the, this is a boxer and all that. And he was interested in boxing. And he said, uh, and I told him I got a medal in the Olympics. He said, oh, so you got a medal in the Olympics? I said, yeah, but I was lucky. I got a medal in the Olympics because I had a crack rib. And he went, whoa, 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 hold on right there. He went, there's no such thing as luck. And I went, well, I think I was lucky. He went, no. He said, how did you, how did you go to the Olympics? I said, I qualified for the Olympics. How did you qualify for the Olympics? Well, I was the national champion. How were you national champion? I was thinking, where I was thinking, where the hell is he going with this? I said, because I worked, I worked my ass off, and I had all these fights uh, since I was ten years old. I boxed and I won national. Went, exactly. Did you hear what you've just said? You worked your ass off. He said, so if you weren't working your ass off, how would you have got the Olympics? He said, that's how you've created your own look. So don't ever, ever say you're lucky. And this guy was starting to get a little bit aggressive. I was like, whoa, all right, mate. But what he said, <laughs> I was thinking, whoa, he's going to end up hitting me. There's going to be a fight. <laughs> no, but I was thinking, but what he said there like, really stuck with me and really taught me like, wow, you really do create your own look in this life, you know? And I thought, yeah, yeah, I think, I still think there was a little bit of luck involved, like how I never got drawn against the guy who won the gold medal in my first fight. But if I wasn't done that hard work when I was 10, 11, 12 years old and so on and so on, I would never have been there in the first place. So that's why, I, that's why I'm not a believer in luck. Now I'm a believer in you create your own luck and create your own destiny, you know? What made Tony Jeffries a great boxer? If you look back through your career. You know what? I've never been asked that question before, but I, but I tell people in the, in the gyms now, like what happened was when I was, when I was like 12, I could hit punch hard for my age, but when I was like 12, 13, I hit with my right hand and my right hand was injured for like a month or two. So when my right hand was injured, I would only use my left hand. So I was using my left hand all the time and my left hand got really strong, but then I injured my left hand. So all I could do was use my right hand and then my right hand got really strong. And I think that really, I think that really helped uh, help me uh, become good because now, now both of my hands was really strong. Now I don't recommend anyone go there and try and injure a hand on purpose just so they can get one hand stronger. But I think that was a, a part of my uh, part of my boxing success. How I got good. Um, yeah, and yeah, I just you know, punch hard. And I used to work hard as well. I never used to drink. I never used to smoke, take drugs. Like all my my friends used to do that all the time. Uh, I used to just work hard, and you know, and my, uh, what we said at the beginning about this podcast about mindset. My mindset was I want to I want to be better than my opponent. I, I want to work harder than him. And my opponent was my motivation. I used to think about him when I was one. I used to hear it, and I used to. I used to not like thinking about my opponent and all that, but it used to just stick me in. I'm like, now I'm going to run faster. I'm going to run harder. I'm going to, I'm going to work harder in the gym. So I think, I think the com- combination of things has really helped me. You talked about the dangers of boxing and how, and I've heard you speak about that on other shows where you now have a concern for what's happening with taking these headshots. Yeah. Do you remember the first time, either as a kid or as you were growing up, when you took like your first proper headshot, what it felt like, a, a shot that really shook. Uh, I mean, when I was, when I was, when you're a kid and, and you're 11, 12, like, and you get jabbed in the face, it's like, it's a shot. And you're like, oh, 
got hurt and your nose starts bleeding. But when I was 16, I was fighting in the European final against a Greek who'd knocked out his three previous opponents in one round. And this guy would punch and he hit me in the first round or second round of our fight. And my legs went jelly, concussed. I got a stand on the account. He nearly knocked me out on the spot. I ended up winning that fight to win the, the medal. But that was the first time I got concussed. And uh, and after that fight, I couldn't remember a thing. My, my memory went for like uh, like three hours. And not until later in life, I, I found out what happened. When you get punched in the head, your brain rattles around your skull. skull and then it swells up and it pushes the fluid around your brain into your skull. And that's what, uh, that, that's what the concussion was. And that's how it messaged me in memory. And uh, for a 16, that's why I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm against boxing, but that's why now I'm really wary of the damage of boxing because this is a 16-year-old guy who's, obviously when you're 16, your brain's still developing. And now I've been punched that hard where it's damaging my brain. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a very scary moment. And, that happened another six times in my career, so I got concussed a total of seven times in in my seventeen years of boxing. So, you know that, that that's why I'm thinking now, like, wow, boxing. That's why I'm saying it was a blessing in disguise that I got injured so I could get out of that. Because there's guys now who's still fighting, who I know, who I grew up with, who is, I mean, got CTE. I know they're, got, they're going to have CTE, which is like punch drunk. You know, the slur the words and the and the forget stuff and all that. And, it's, and it's, it's, very, it's very sad. With all you've achieved and your gyms are very, very highly rated, not just in California but across America, you would get to meet some pretty impressive people and leaders. You, you come across Tony as a really humble guy. Is humility something you think is a key attribute of success in great leaders or great performers? I, I appreciate them kind words. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just the way I am, and I had success when I was when I was 14 years old. I won a national title. Oh, sorry, I was 13 years old. I won my first national title, box for England, when I was 14. And I was in the local newspapers and all that, and people started to re- recognise me as a boxer from when I was that young. So it's kind of, I think, grew, grew in me where it's not never went to me head. It's just been part of me and. Uh, and even even to this day, I I reply to every single direct message I get on Instagram, uh, on Twitter. I, re- I reply to everyone, and I think I think it does come down to be a good leader. Like like I said, I've got fifty staff now, and I feel like they all really like me and be around me, and I'm approachable where they where they can come and ask me questions, if they've got concerns, and, and they're, or they're worried or whatever. So I think it really helps in, in business as well as networking I've got a big network of influencers now and uh, it, it really helps and, and people kind of like being around humble people N- not not just because of the success I've had in boxing with the Olympics and all that stuff but I I like being around humble people as well you know no one really likes being around a, a big head or, or, or a dickhead you know uh, so I <laughs> I don't know. Is it do you, do you do you boys think it's something that you can learn to be humble, or is it you born with? Because I, I feel like I was born with. Hey, what's uh, what's tougher? Stepping into the ring for a gold medal fight or running a business? <laughs> Definitely getting in the ring. Business yeah. is easy. Like <laughs> life after life after boxing. Now it's a, it's a, it's a walk in the park. Having a diet for eight, twelve weeks at a time, uh, thinking about your opponent from the second you wake up to the second you go to sleep. And then fighting in front of thousands of people—it's—I mean—that's that's that's hard. 
going into work, teaching people how to box or teaching trainers how to teach other people how to box and running people. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a piece of cake. But the hard thing is, is dealing with so many personalities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dealing with so many... Yeah, that, that's the hard thing, dealing with so many personalities, especially in Los Angeles, where I'm based now, Los Angeles, California. Bloody hell, I'm from the north of England. So from a place called Sunland in the north of England, compared to Los Angeles, it's night and day. It's completely different. Like, we've had so many, hired so many people who wants to be actors and wants to be models, and they're trying to use us as a stepping stone. So they come with no passion, no work ethic. And then as well with the millennials coming in as well. It's, I mean... It's tough because there's not a lot of people out here that really want this as a career and they want to put the work in. The team that we've got now is amazing, but still be hiring people all the time. Oh, I'm, I'm a writer for a living. Oh, I'm an actor for a living. You're an actor, but you've never been anything. What, what are you talking about? You're not an actor. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> get, gets frustrating, mate. I'm telling you. So dealing with people in Los Angeles is, is odd. If we've got like, see, we've got a ton of trainers and our top, our top trainers is, is English uh, and Irish and we've got a German guy. These are our top, our top trainers. Our, the 20, 29 trainers we've got, the, the top ones are from, from Europe, which is, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but, you know. I'm going to go back to your question because it leads me into my next question. But your question is, do you think humility can be learnt or is it a natural attribute? It's probably a combination of both in my mind. But it leads me on to the next thing about you, Tony, which I think is probably one of the most profound things that I found when learning about you through Ryan Munsey and hearing you with Tate Fletcher and so on is I've never heard a guest on a show ask so many questions of the guy that's actually doing the interview. And <laughs> you you are you are genuinely, it's not just once, but you are genuinely curious and you are genuinely a learner. And I think that to me is a stepping stone to humility, is that you you have done great, you are a great boxer, you've got all the evidence to prove it, but at the same time, you're a learner and curious about the other person and wanting to hear their story, which I think is a beautiful attribute of curiosity. Have you always been like that? Is that something you can trace back to being a kid or is it something you have discovered in later in life? Yeah, no, I've, I've always been, I've always been curious. Like when I'm getting treatment on a machine, if it's a, if it's a ultrasound machine, I'll ask the nurse, how much is that worth? And how does it work? And I try to try to find shit out of that by asking questions. And then as well, when you're podcasting with these with these guys, it's it's like you know you you want to find out their point of view as well because you know you you don't learn much by talking, you learn a lot by listening. You know, so I always like to ask questions and 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 find find stuff out about these boys as well. And like you mentioned, there Ryan Munsey, what a great guy he is. He's the best. Like I've learned so much from that guy. He's he's really have changed my life. So you've done a podcast with him, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been on twice and. Um... Yeah, look, Ryan's one of our favourite guests. Of we've done five seasons. He's wouldn't he, Robbo? One of our favourites of all time. Oh, big time! Yeah, absolutely, and one of our most popular shows. Oh, nice! I like to tell all your listeners now to stop listening to this podcast right now. If you've never listened to Ryan Woolsey one on this show, and go and listen to that one because Ryan <laughs> Ryan is the boy. You'll learn so much from that guy. <laughs> so you just talked about learning and finishing boxing. What what has what have you learned about yourself? since you finished boxing? Like what's been the most profound learning 
that you've discovered about yourself, Tony, since you stepped out of the ring as a professional? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I tell you, I tell you what. When it was funny, I was I was talking to my nephew the other day. It was eighteen. I was thinking when, when I was sixteen. You know, when you're sixteen, you think you know it all. But then when I turned eighteen, I was like, "Wow, I know everything now. There's nothing else for me to learn." <laughs> then when I was twenty-one, I thought, "Wow, I know every single thing in the world. Like I can drink now, I can travel, I can do what I want when I'm anywhere around the world in, in the world." And then not until I got to thirty, I was like. Bloody hell, I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. Uh, I'm, I'm 33 now and I'm, I'm still learning all the time. So back to your question, what, what, what have I learned the most about? I, I don't know. I think I've learned a lot about dealing with people and, and how, how everyone's different and how everyone's not like me and, and people's got their own ways and how to talk to one person compared to another person. I might tell one person like, who I work for me like, Mate, you, you you can't do it like that. You need to do it like this. And then he might be very sensitive and it might hurt his feelings. He might quit because some people in LA is that soft where you'll tell them, mate, don't do it like that, you know? So you've got you've got to learn ways around to talk to people. I'm, I think that's a big thing I'm learning about right now about the, with the leadership and how like yeah, how, how, how to talk to one person compared to a different one. Did you, do you boys find that with... I mean, do you know what it is with Australia, right? If I never got my green card and moved to America, I was 100% going to move to Australia. I absolutely love... Oh, yeah. I I was in Melbourne. I absolutely love Australia. I love Australians. I've never met a bad Aussie. I'm sure sure there's a lot of knobhead Aussies out there, but I've never (laughs) met a bad one. Knobhead, right now. Knobhead, yeah. (laughs) They're everywhere, knobheads. But like, I'm sure... But I've never (laughs) met a bad one, you know? And I and I tell I tell my American friends like Aussies are the best. Like I put Aussies up there with the Irish. I love Irish. I love Aussies. They both have a good time. They're both real nice people. But I, from my experiences, you know, I put. I'm, I'm sure you boys have, have experienced uh, that as well in leadership. How you've got to talk to some people different, right? Yeah. I was going to say that I've got some pommy mates who are pretty down to earth, good blokes too. Yeah. In fact, I play footy with a couple <laughs> of them. So yeah, absolutely. Nice. I heard you with Tate. Now, Tate Fletcher was on Rocktober on our show a couple of years ago. And to this day, probably one of the guys that had the biggest impact on Rubbo and I, because it was the early stages of our show and he was kind of celebrity. He was in movies and he's, uh, you know, the, 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 the hitman philosopher. Like he was, he really brought a lot of, yeah, philosophical, stoic, information to the show. And I heard him talking with you and there was something you guys talked about, which I thought, I just, I wrote it down in my journal to ask you about. You said that leaders or winners, successful people almost need to suspend their own disbelief to be able to deliver at our best. And I thought that was such an interesting way of phrasing it. Can you expand upon how you went about doing that? Suspending your own disbelief in order to deliver? I said that. <laughs> no, Gary made it up. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... No, I heard it. I heard this morning. And my favourite quote is, done is better than perfect, you know? And, and per- perfection prevents productivity. If you're waiting for a perfect moment to get shit done, it will never get done. It really won't. Like, we started our business without a permit in Santa Monica. I, I'm sure you don't know about that, but like, you get shut down straight away if, if you haven't got a permit. But, you know, we went for it and and, and if, if we'd waited for a permit, we would never go to a business. We could never afford it. 
So because we never wait for the perfect time, and then as well with a business, if, if the people's listening this from in the fitness industry, like you don't need to have five treadmills, you don't need to have all this fancy equipment before you start. You know, I'd say start and then try and build up. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in perfection prevents productivity, and that's the thing that holds a lot of people back. Trying to wait for the perfect moment to start the blog, trying to wait to start a podcast, to try and wait for the perfect moment. But I need to have this, 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 this. No, you don't. Just, just do it, and then learn along the way. You know, I think, I think you learn so much along the way when you're doing whatever project that might be. But if you wait until you want to be, everything's got to be in order and this and this, uh, and perfect. You'll never get it. You'll never get it done. And and that's what prevents. That's what prevents uh, productivity. Perfection. It's Boddington's goal. <laughs> <laughs> Boddington's. I love it. Your brand, your business. I believe is number one in California and number two in the whole of America. So obviously there is something yeah. of an attraction to a boxing workout. What, why should we consider that as part of our wellness routine, Tony? Yeah, I think with, with our, our workouts, we got a massive recognition because when, right, even now it's not the best business model in the world. If you're a businessman, you would think that we were crazy for doing this model. We have like five trainers in one class teaching 36 people. So it's like, wow, what, why are you paying that many? You know, so it's not a great business model. But like but like what you're saying, like we can number one gym in California, number two in uh, America. You'll not get a better boxing class anywhere in the world than you will in Box and Burn. And the w- with with me being so hungry and my business partner hungry, and we want, we want, to, we want to be the very best and... And my goal, because I do all the branding and marketing for the gym, is my my goal for the gym, like four years ago, was to be a, a, a household name in America and recognised worldwide. And I feel like we're getting there right now with with Box and Burn, and uh, just, just through all of the the hard work that we've put into it. And like I say, it's not a great business model. We're not we're not absolutely loaded through it. We're not millionaires, not yet. But uh, but it's the best class that you'll ever have. And we teach boxing better than any other class that we've, that we know of, you know, and I know there's a few things in America that's doing these things, eh, sorry, in Australia, that's doing these, these boxing courses and all that. And we see them and I say, wow, we need to get over there and help, help our Aussie mates, you know? <laughs> uh, and that's why we're coming over. Yeah. Let me throw this at you. Cause uh, I, I played, I played rugby union at a, a reasonable level when I was younger and, and, uh, Tuesday mornings. Now I do my boxing class. I do a boxing class, uh, at the local gym. And the thing I love about boxing is I think is what I love about rugby in rugby. I love the collision. I love the physicality. The reason I didn't play rugby league was because I love the breakdown at rugby union. And I wonder whether the, the reason that I love the boxing class more than the other sort of classes that I do is because there's that, it's not a collision, but there's still that connection. You know what I mean? There's still that physicality that, you know, you're putting your body on the line and you're working hard. Is there something to that or is that just me and and my preferences? No, it is. It definitely is. And I'm sure that you've noticed that each time you box, you get better. And uh, uh, boxing is a, is a thing that we can, like, like anything, we can always get better at. But in this day and age now, with the instant gratification everyone wants, with boxing, when you when you do boxing for the very first time, the, the next time you do boxing, you're going to be twice as good. Then you do it again, you're much better. You do it again, you're much better. And as well, I'm I'm sure that you that you realise as well when you've been doing boxing. When you are boxing, 
your mind doesn't think about anything else. No, right? I can't. <laughs> just, yeah. just boxing. You, yeah, you can't because you're tired or you've got that much to think about with your feet, with your body rotation, with the way you're punching the punching the combinations. Uh, so it's kind of like a form of meditation as well. Like we we get people telling us all the time where it's it's like a um, it's like a form form of therapy because when you're there, you're totally zoned in on the on the on boxing and nothing else at all. So it's great for your mind. That's a huge benefit of boxing is is for your mind. And I'm sure, like you see, yeah, it's very physical. And, and you're doing the, the if you're doing the one on one stuff for the trainer as well, even better. But yeah, there's, there's so many benefits to boxing. Like right now, in just just a day in our in our gym, we had like 30 people there with Parkinson's disease, and it's been proven that boxing is so good for Parkinson's. So all these all the, all the people that have Parkinson's, they're coming in, they're shaking, and then they're doing the boxing, and then they're walking out like with like 50% less tremors. So that's another benefit with with boxing. It's if you're not getting punched in the head, that is. <laughs> if you're getting punched in the head, I, I, wow. I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. 35 years of <laughs> yeah. rugby, there's probably not much. He's had a few knocks, mate. Anyway, he's had a few knocks, mate. Take a look at him. He's got a face like a drop by. Um, yeah. The days before the blue card, mate. The days before <laughs> yeah, concussion exactly. was even thought of. You can't even spell concussion now. How many concussions? How many concussions did you get with your rugby? Uh, look, I think uh, there's three. There's three big ones that I remember where I was actually told that I couldn't play for a couple of weeks. But I'm sure along the way they're probably smaller ones too. Absolutely. And do you ever think about the damages that it's done the long term? Of course you do. But I guess my love of the game probably overshadows that and the good times that I had and still enjoy. You know, like it's certainly the level I play at now is no. I play old man rugby now, but when I played in my earlier years, I played grade in Sydney, um, and. Um, you know, and, and then you, you know, it's, just, it's the love of the game that keeps you going. I'm sure the same was with boxing with you, is you know you're going to go out there and you're going to get hurt, but you want to go back because it's so addictive. And, and as well with, with with boxing, it's it's something that you, you try not to think about or you don't think about at all, and it's not spoke about in gyms is the damage that it does to your brain. I've had a, so I've got my own podcast and I've had a, quite a few boxers on there. I always ask them, do you ever? And I always ask them, do you think about the damage that boxing's done to your brain? And the answer is always no. No, definitely not. Because people, because because if but if you think about it, if, if you're in a boxing, if you're in the boxing world and you're fighting, you don't really want to think about that, you know, because that might put you off uh, what, what's in front of you. You want you, you, so you can't really think about. It. So it's unspoken about in gyms, and that's one thing that I'm trying to. Well, I'm not trying to, but I, I think that should be taught in boxing gyms more. Is about the damage that boxing does to your brain because. These young kids, I mean, starting at nine, ten years old, are sparring, getting punched in the head all the time, full force off of kids older than them. And because the coaches are so old school and they used to do the same thing, they're not, and they're not educated on the damage of boxing. They don't care, you know? Where I, I think what boxing really needs, and I'm sure rugby would be benefit from it as well, is more education on that, where you can coach the coaches about the damage that well we can talk about like sparring or if it's rugby or rugby how to train light rather than full force all the time which is happening all the time so tony the box and burn academy is the extension to the actual gyms in california and you're coming to sydney in july and we'll put all the details in the show notes and we'll, we'll cover that off in a second 
Who, who goes to the academy? Can anybody go along or do you need to be somebody who is working in a gym who wants to have the expertise to do this? Like who, 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 who's allowed to come? I mean, it's for anyone. We, we, it's, it's aimed at fitness professionals, people who <clears throat> personal trainers or people who teach, uh, teach fitness to the clients. That's the aim uh, of it. But we, we've had people like people who want to, who, who's boxing enthusiasts. We've had people who's, parents who want to teach their kids someday how to box so i mean it's 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 for a a wide variety of people but mainly it's aimed at fitness professionals and um, as well as because there's a lot of courses out there as well as teaching people how to box we like to tell people how to build relationships and how to retain clients because we feel like that that's one thing that People, especially fitness professionals, have a lack in that is is retaining clients and building relationships. It's more like people now try to get the how much do you charge? I charge this much. All right, and they train them in the for, for for the money rather than the passion. And we we see a lot more success when you do build them relationships. And as well on on day two, what we talk about is social media and branding yourself as a top fitness professional. To, to, to clients so you get more clients so it's not just a because we have got this experience from the last six seven years if, in, in Los Angeles which is one of the most competitive um, fitness industries in the world we've got all this experience and we give it to people like you asked me before but my purpose my purpose is helping these people succeed by giving them everything and not trying to be a, a, a shark salesman or anything like that it's just by passing on all of our knowledge and as well, I, I love meeting new people as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to come back there. Two, it's two days, or do you do, do you have the option of doing one or two days, or is it just a two day course? What's the? Yeah, so it's a it's a level one and level two. You get the option to do just the level one or the or the two days in there. And I, and, and I know it's I know there's a lot of courses out there in Australia already, and I've had, had people asking me from Australia like I've done level one and this one this course kind of just comes to level two and it's like no because what, what we teach we, we don't teach like I say with the boxing we, we teach a system like let's say for instance if a middle aged woman walked into a gym who was nervous for the first time most of these fitness professionals don't know how she's how she's feeling what to say to her and then when you teach her how to box if she's making mistakes what to say to her to make her not feel awkward and giving her the confidence to come back and then when she's leaving how to retain her to come back you know we, we teach it a lot more than than I believe that any other course in, in the world really does we give everything all of our experience we give everything so it's a really good valuable course and I mean yes obviously I'm on the show and t- trying to tell, sell it to people but I, I guarantee, in fact, I'll give anyone the money back who does who comes to that course who doesn't enjoy it, you know, because, again, and we, we, the thing is, we're not doing this for the money. I'm good. The, the gyms, the, the, the gyms uh, are paying me good. So I, I, if I get my flight paid for, I'll come there and teach you for free. That, that's, you know what I mean? I, I love it. I've had a load of Aussies messaging me now, like, like you said about our names being bigger and bigger. Now I'm getting lots of DMs of Aussies asking me if I do boxing training with them with their kids when I'm out there as well which is again it's very um, it's very humbling that we've built this name big enough that people across the other side of the world in Australia know about it it's amazing this is all happening in July and it's happening in the centre of Sydney it's right and it's it's is it one of the fitness first locations in the city is that where it is yeah it's fitness first in Bond Street 
uh, in, in Bond Street. I, I've, so I've never been to the gym before. I don't know what I say. I've just uh, got, a, got a friend over there who's set it up for me and I spoke to the manager and they seem really nice. So I, I'm sure it's a, it's a good gym. And yeah, I think it's really good. And as well, if... Uh, if any of your, if you're, any of your listeners want to want to come and do the course, I can give them a hundred dollars off if they use the, the code. Uh, wait, let me think of the code. No, it's one hundred and seventy-five dollars off if they use code. <laughs> if they use code Facebook Combo, because we're doing Facebook ads right now, so we'll give it to all your listen, your listeners as well. So it's Facebook Combo, and if you can put that in the show notes as well, you know, I I just want to meet, I just want to meet new people. Yeah. Well, I reckon, uh, Robert, we, you and I should go down and meet Tony and record some stuff down there with him, mate, and uh, share the love. If he's brave enough, I might even step in the ring with him. <laughs> no, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm finished with all that now. I'm finished with all that now. <laughs> but yeah, mate, it would be great. It would be great for you to come down, meet, meet, and then maybe we can record an episode for my podcast as well. I would done that. Oh. Bring me podcast gear. I think that's got to happen now. I think it's done. Done deal. Signed, sealed, and delivered. We'll talk after this. We'll lock it in, and we might even see if we get some listeners to come down to meet you and say good day, and uh, they can sit in on the recording with you because um, I've got stack more stuff I'd like to ask you about. And just, I just want to ask you two quick things before you go, Tony, because I'm conscious of your time. Boxing for a lot of people is Rocky movies. <laughs> And there's been yeah. a million of them, right? Because that's so real life. No, 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 I'm setting it up, right? So it is true. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I remember, you know, going out and training with Rocky in my ears and everything else and coming home and running up my stairs, my arms in the air. I mean, you, we all grew up, and I'm pretty old, we all grew up with that stuff. And you come back into the corner, Rocky or Apollo or Mr. T, whatever it is, and there's the corner man, and the corner man's got a job. And I've always said to people that you need to have in your life, you need to have your corner, who are your counsel, who are, if you come back, you've done good. It's one thing. If you come back, you're not so good. For you, with all your success and the history you've had of boxing, what makes a great corner man? Ooh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is trust. You know, you've got you've got to trust your corner man in boxing, in life, whoever that may be, and. Uh, yeah, you, you've got to trust them and trust that they'll tell you the truth. Like, we, we, like, like my, in life now, it's, it's my, my wife. You know, she she tells me the truth. She keeps me on the, the straight and narrow. Uh, but yeah, I think I think trust is a big thing. And when you're talking about them Rocky movies as well, they inspired me. They inspired. I think they inspired most fighters uh, because they're, they're so inspirational. Uh, so Rocky was a big part of my life. It's funny that. Uh, <laughs> that we're talking about Rocky so about three weeks ago I got a phone call of, uh, of Dolph Lundgren not Ivan Drago no <laughs> no yeah mate hey nice oh there we go let's go I must break you <laughs> yes mate so nice. obviously being in LA I've met I've met a lot of stars I, I, I was training Chris Hemsworth at one point you, you Aussie boy Chris Hemsworth uh, but 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 this was a different level, mate. Because I, I know the producer for the Creed movies, and he said, "I've got some people I want you to train." Anyway, I got some phone call. I'm in the house one day. Uh, Hello, Tony. It's it's Dolph and his accent. I'm like Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> like I never said it, but I was thinking, Oh my god! My heart stopped beating fast. I was like getting sweaty palms. I'm like, Wow! I'm on the phone with Ivan Drago. At the time, he, <laughs> I mean. You'll both agree at the time he was the hardest man in the world, right? Oh, he was the toughest yeah. guy in the world. Yeah. The best, most scariest fighter in the world. That's so I'm so talking because 
because he's in Creed 2, the new movie, and I was going to be actually teaching him how to teach boxing because he's a trainer and he has got no experience of holding the pads. So I was supposed to be training him. Uh, and I was on the phone to him for 15 minutes talking about training styles and all that. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it, mate. It was like a surreal moment in my life. Because like, like, like you said, we've looked up to that, that, them movies for all our lives. Anyway, I come to, come to the gym and his agent called me and he said, oh, he's really sick. He'll not be able to make it. But in a few weeks, he never ended up coming. And I was pretty upset because I told absolutely everyone that I know <laughs> that I'm going to be training Apollo. I'm going to be training Ivan Drago. Oh, I told uh, everyone. I'm coaching Ivan Drago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was only I was watching him on Netflix. Yeah, he's in the Expendables now, so you can still see him. He's still a Hollywood, you know, legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. But now what? Now I feel like a bit of a knobhead that everyone's like asking me now. Like, uh, <laughs> so how did your session go with Drago? I'm like, oh, oh, he, he stood me up. He stood me up. But I did speak on the phone. I was just coming in to do the the show with you, and I wrote down a quote that I wanted to ask you about, and how it applies to you. It said. I can do more for you by taking away than adding in. And I sat there thinking about that. I thought, you know, people listen to podcasts or read books and it's all about, you know, adding more stuff into your life. But the most profound changes we can make, as Bruce Lee said, the famous martial artist and Hollywood star, he said it's about not about addition, it's about subtraction. Right. Hack away at the unessentials. And I'm just wondering... In your world now, Tony, what's something you've eliminated or taken out of your world in the last 100 days or 200 days that's had a real impact on you as a man, performance, productivity? Like what have you taken out that's had a big impact? Uh, I can't really think about the last 100 days, but what I, what I took out last year was alcohol, like completely. I had a year off alcohol and that's what really helped my productivity go through the roof. I took my, uh, I wasn't an alcoholic by no means. It sounds like I'm an alcohol now, but I was a... Uh, <laughs> I was just, I was drinking a, a glass, two glasses, a bottle of wine just every night, helped me relax and go to bed. But I stopped all that last year and I had a really, really good, busy year and business was good and the Boxing Moon Academy blew up and went online. Uh, and then uh, another thing is like having breaks from, so, not giving up, but having breaks from social media as well. That, that's, a, that's a big thing that really helps productivity, you know, and helps you live in the moment. Uh, I, I'm sure it's the same in Australia as everywhere else in the world where social media is a is a big distraction now. And when it's distracting you, it's it's not just distracting you from uh, from your everyday life. It's distracting you from your success of business as well. So having having a weekend off social media is huge and it helps you live for the moment. So I try and do that every other weekend by by taking a little break from the social media. Uh, is, is 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 social media a big problem in Australia? Yeah, yeah, it's a problem everywhere. Yeah, like no one speaks to each other anymore, like they no. like they used to. Everyone's on the on the phones all the time, right? You said you sit on a bus, you sit on a bus or a train or the street or a cafe, and in an office yeah. in an office environment in meetings, you know, it's very prevalent. Um, I'm very conscious of your time. I've got one question for you, Tony. It's quite a personal question, so I'm I'm comfortable if you go. You, it's it's not a good question. Right. It's, it's an observation is that when you get, when you either talk about yourself, you're introduced on a show, people say Olympic medalist. Yet we've interviewed a number of people who've won gold or they'll say, you know, Roger Black, silver medalist at the Atlantic Games in 96. 
I don't hear you or people who introduce you saying bronze medalist. And I'm curious to know whether there's a reason why your identity was built around Olympic medalist and not bronze medalist. Is it unfinished business for you? Is it something where you feel as though you didn't you didn't do what you wanted to do? Or is it just the way it sounds? Like why why is that? I've never noticed that. You've just pointed out to me. I've never noticed that before. These these bastards are seeing that because they're ashamed that it's not a gold or silver. They're trying to tell, right, now I'm going to find out everyone who's introduced me is a medalist, not a bronze medalist. Well, shit, Gary, we better go back and have a listen to the head yeah, of the program. Yeah. We're, not, not, we're, not going to, we're not going to fitness first at Bond Street, mate. We're going to get taken apart. Even if... I never won a medal and I was an Olympian. I would be so proud of that because that's a massive achievement of itself, just getting to the Olympic Games, you know, uh, and just, just being an Olympian is a huge, like you're, you're in a, like a tiny, tiny percentage around, around the world uh, because like obviously people don't become Olympians. It takes a lot of work to get there. Like it took me eight years to get there. It's funny because I know how passionate Aussies are about sports and the big sports fans. When I first come to America, I... Uh, when I retired from boxing, uh, this was, I, I went to apply for a job. It was This was my first job interview ever. And I was in a, in a gym called 24 uh, Hour Fitness. And I got there and I was really nervous. I had a shirt on and, and dressed up for it, sweaty palms, again. And I, I guess I, I had my resume in my bag. By, by then, I, I had like a, a level three uh, personal training certificate. And I brought me a Olympic medal with this as well. And this guy who was interviewing as the manager, he sat back, put his feet on the table, put his hands behind his head, and he went, all right, so tell me about yourself. And I was like, oh, uh, and I told him, I, I went to the Olympics and all that. I said, I even brought my Olympic medal, and I got me medal out of me. I, it was in, it's in a box. I put it out, I put it on the table, and I opened it. And he just looked at it, he went, hmm, so uh, what's your training experience? And then I, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, felt, I felt so, I felt like I, felt like I was, uh, I felt embarrassed that I even brought me medal out. And I was thinking, well, Olympic, Olympics doesn't mean anything in America. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like he made me feel small. So anyway, I'd, I'd done the interview. I never got the job. And I, and I thought like, what am I going to do now? I can't even get a job in a, in a, in a gym. So anyway, I like, then the story went on like six months later, I, I ended up smashing my, my own gym, doing really well. And then when, when we got named number one gym in California, I found the guy's email who who interviewed me, <laughs> right? And I sent I sent him an email with the link with number one gym on California. I went, hey, mate, remember when I? I said I'll put a boxing program in, in the gym. I went, remember when I you interviewed me and uh, and you told me that I wasn't qualified enough and you didn't really like my Olympic medal and all this. I went check out this new uh, <laughs> check out this, check, check out this article off Men's Fitness magazine. Num- number number one in California, number three number three in America. It was. I went. Uh, just think this could have been in your gym. No bed. <laughs> <That's Yeah. laughs> <the email. laughs> that must have driven you. Then did that? Is that if, if you if you consciously made that decision once you'd got there to go basically go back to and go well f- you look at me now. Yeah. Was even a part of what got you there being driven by by that experience? No, not not really. Uh, never because that that experience knocked out so much confidence in me yeah. because like I said it was my first one and I, I, and all I all I really knew was boxing I never knew job interviews I never really knew the fitness industry 
so that that really knocked me plug in because I thought, wow, I'm I'm not. This means nothing, you know. But then when I start building and growing and then building confidence in myself and myself in in, in fitness and the, the fitness industry. And then, then that was like, then I thought about that guy. I even think about him now. I would love to see him. You'd love to see his face, see right? Yeah, he never replied to my email. Of course he didn't. No. I think you 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 do hold a, an amazing standard. And and I think that what comes to mind for me, Tony, in speaking with you for the last hour is, remember back when I, many, many years ago, introduced to Joe Bugner, who went toe-to-toe with Muhammad Ali. Oh, Yeah. And, Robbo and I worked in radio. We did work with Jeff Fennick and Costa Zoo, two great Australian fighters. But nice. I'm going to say, mate, you you stand toe-to-toe with any of those guys. The the way your purpose, what you're bringing to the world, your humility, your curiosity, it really is something in your sport. You really are setting a different benchmark, mate, and um, it's been a real privilege and an honour to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been, it's been great to speak to you. Been great to speak to some Aussies, and I really look forward to meeting you boys when I when I come to Sydney. Let, let's make sure we do that. Hey, you're on a deal, absolutely. The Mojo Radio Show. I got to say, I'm a bit disappointed in that. In what way? Well, I, you know, he turned me down for a bit of a sparring match. I think he's a bit chicken. <laughs> now, are we going to go down to the Box and Burn Academy and oh, uh, record some stuff with him? Hello, I think there's no doubt about that. Do you? So I will sort some details with Tony. So you may just get your chance to go toe to toe with the big guy, and I'll be happy to introduce you. Yeah, you know what I'll be able to say? I could have been a contender. Yeah, yes, yes, you could say that as if you'd never heard that one before. Although, can I say that with no teeth? <laughs> You certainly won't be eating. You certainly won't be eating corn on the cob after you meet him. That's for sure. The Mojo Radio Show. Pop quiz, hot shot. All right, to take us out, pop quiz, hot shot. Go. Cast your mind back. Oh, yep. Ask me questions. Get no answers. Give me nothing. Take no chances. <laughs> Show me books with empty pages. Wind your, your clocks. clocks read, and your read your gauges. gauges. The Angels Shadow Boxer. We're out.
Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time. <laughs>